0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast.
1: The boys are back to talk all things supercoach all season long.
0: Please welcome your host, Whisper and Brew. Mate, just as we press record to talk about the Cowboys, it started absolutely raining the house down, thunder, lightning, so it must be a sign that they really don't want us to, uh, to touch on this side, who I do not have high hopes for this year. Look, they finished 15th last year with a 7-17 record, 5-7 at home, which is fine for a bottom eight side. 2-10 and ten away from home, which is not good. Uh, they ranked 13th for points scored, 16th for points against, so the bottom half of the table for both attack and defence. And, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are tipping them for the spoon this year. I am one of them. Where do you have the Cowboys ranking, mate?
1: Dead last. Dead Absolutely last. dead last. The Tigers might shake them, but I think the Tigers have a better side than they do.
0: We might give them a red-hot crack, but, yes, I am also hoping that we do have a little bit more that we can offer? I mean, it all comes down to what Peyton wants to do with one of the best forwards we've ever seen, so it's very, very weird that we're talking about a side with one of the best forwards we've seen in the last 10 years, and then to put them at the spoon, it raises the question, has this 10-year contract been a success? And you'd probably say no, it hasn't led to much success when it comes to the Cowboys. I mean, he was part of the Premiership winning squad and Jason Tamalolo, but Since he signed that massive $10 million deal, it hasn't really kicked on. And Raiders fans might... Raiders fans... Cowboys fans might uh, disagree. But I'm not too sure if like, what stock we put in these halves. And we'll touch on them soon enough. But they start the season with the Bulldogs at home. Winnable game. Raiders at home. Probably another winnable game up in North Queensland. Broncos away. Roosters at home. Warriors away. So, I would say best case two and three from the first five. You
1: Know they could get four and one, but I just don't see this side gelling straight away. They've got a relatively good pack, I think. I think you're going to see a little bit of a changing in the guard this season. Like, I think you look the fact that they're running with Hannah so now at fullback that's an indication that they're going more youth. I think you'll see both the second rollers. I've named two rookie, basically rookie second rollers this year. Uh, starting for them, new 13 potentially. I think you're going to start to see a change, but it's going to take time. And how they use Tamalolo is going to be really important. And what the Chad offers to this club in terms of direction and game management is going to be really key for their season. If if, if he controls this team and Drinkwater can play off the back of it, and they've got a few exciting guys in the back line and a few sighting guys in the second row, then maybe they can shock us and do better than what we think. But I just think it's going to take time. And that's why I've got them finishing dead
0: last. You mentioned, you mentioned the Chad and we'll touch on him as one of the, one of the first games so he's come from the Sharks slash the Warriors last year. They also bring in Peter Hiku, Jermaine Snow-Brown from the Warriors as well. And they also bring in Brendan Elliott from Lee in the UK when it comes to their losses, they are losing Michael Morgan, Justin O'Neill, and Javid Bowen all to retirement. Francis Molo off to the Dragons. Corey Jensen off to the Broncos. Peter Holler off to the Raiders. Shane Wright off to Salford in the UK. And Michael Bell has been released. Worth noting, they also get the West Tigers back. rower Luciano Le Lua coming in through the door in 2023. On the injuries and suspension fronts, they have Ben Hampton, who should be back with Round 1 after a hemi issue uh, this off-season. Look, Peter Hicco, Jermaine Snow-Brown, hiku can provide an impact to the starting 13. Snow-Brown, Tino- uh, I think he'll help with the 17, probably not the starting 13. Uh, the Chad, he isn't signed to sit there and twiddle thumbs. He'll be coming straight into the starting side. And Brendan Elliott's a, an interesting one. A recent signing coming over from the UK. Uh, a lot of people are keen to see him play some footy. A- and I'm one of them. I'm, I'm really keen to see what Brendan Elliott can, can do. So, don't hate the signings. Um, hard to to move around when you're paying the Chad so much. And obviously Tamilos on, on some big money. So they're going to build around these rookies and we're going to see, yeah, how they can go under Todd Payton.
1: Yeah. Chad Towns, Townsend in this situation, just screams of Blake Green to me. And I just don't see how you pay him that much money. Like pay a little bit more and get Nico Hines for God's sake. Like, it's it's an insane move, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think he's sort of the leadership presence that they're looking for, whether he can provide or not, it's a different story, but I think they're going for that mould. But then it raises the question, why did you sign Tom Dearden last year? Because Townsend and Dearden aren't going to work together. It's it's going to have to be Townsend and Drinkwater, you would expect. So, look, we'll, we'll touch on that when we come to, to, to the six and seven. When it comes to my round one side, mate, I've got Hemisau at fullback. Uh, all the talkies will be playing fullback. I was probably a touch too harsh on him when we were touching on all the new positions and whatnot, and in the in the centre wing <laughs> podcast. I don't see him. I don't <laughs> see him lighting the world on fire, because the Cowboys are the Cowboys. That's the thing. And like I got burnt with this with Cody Ramsey when I took him over the Origin period, thinking that a winger converted to fullback will, will just score fullback points. But fullback isn't Hemiso's best position. I think we can all agree that he's he's a better winger than he is a fullback. But I'm keen to see what he can do at, what, 419k? I think he is from memory. I don't love the move. I think people are just getting sucked into the fact that he is playing fullback. I, I don't know, man. I know you're more keen on him than I am.
1: I think he'll go on a run at some point and, and he'll become an option. It's just a matter of when he does and what he will cost at that given time. Now I'm not going to start the season with him because I don't have faith in the Cowboys or their system. I don't have faith that if Hamiso has a bad game or two, that they don't just go right value back in the fullback slot. I don't have a trust factor with them, but at the same time, I think you can't be, you can't, you can't sit there and say, say Tessie knew, is a good option in the centres and not say Hamiso is because they're very similar players and I think Hamiso has a lot more upside than say nu does. So if I was picking between either of them, I probably would pick Hamiso just because I think he's a better pure football player and has more explosive upside to you know score a ninety metre try from his own ten than Niu does. But he's not someone that I'm willing to risk to start the season. I think it's too much of a risk with a side that looks like they're going to be, you know, at least bottom four, probably bottom two, very well could come last as we're predicting.
0: I don't know how much I can take that new and hammer debate. I uh, No, nah, I'm not having that. Um, for anyone that is new to this podcast, uh, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, whatever, Bru and I placed a wager. So... If Hamiso averages more than fifty-five, so fifty-five point one and higher, I will donate two hundred fifty dollars to a charity of Brew's choosing. If he average, sorry, when he averages less than fifty-five, uh, Brew will be forever indebted to me, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. For me, Hamiso, no, because the Cowboys suck. Um, Brew's probably in the same boat, but he has higher prospects than I do. When it comes to the wings, I think one of them picks themselves in Carl Felt, and the other one yeah. I've got Murray alungi uh, as my other winger.
1: I love Cole felt
0: I, I will never not have
1: love for him after what he did in the 2016 grand final or whatever it was uh, shout out to the big bearded man. I kill his life on Twitter with this moment, but yeah, I love Cole felt. Who was your other winger? Uh, my other winger is married to a luggy. I think, I think the wingers speak for themselves. So I can't see it being any other combo, but those two.
0: They speak for themselves, and they also speak. Not an option for my classic sides. Um, I just Kyle felt he'll score seventeen tries this year. Half of them will be off kicks, which don't which don't account for line breaks. So nearly half the points there. Does he go... I, I will say one thing. Um, I wouldn't
1: mind a late round draft pick on one of those wingers, but because if you look who's inside him, Hiku loves a flick pass, and Valentine Tom. Valentine Holmes is very good at a cutout ball. So there is a world where you could take them late and have a little smoky gameplay option uh, in in the draft format.
0: Yeah, I think that says a a lot about their classic prospects when we're talking about taking them late in the draft. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So classic. I mean, I've said this to Brew off camera. I don't have any Cowboys players in my classic side at the moment. And that includes the two mid range slash cheapy second roles that we'll touch on. The centres, as you touched on, mate, Val Holmes, Peter Hiku, uh, Peter Hiku knew it, new inclusion to the club. Uh, I really liked it. I really think Peter Hiku uh, looked really good last year for the Warriors when he came back, and Val Holmes in the centres. It's it's a tough one. I, I touched on Hemito and his best position not being fullback, and it being wing. I also think Val Holmes' best position is on the wing, not centre. So I just worry that Todd Payton's trying to fit too many square pegs into round holes here. And trying to get a little bit too tricky.
1: It is a very disjointed backline, in my opinion. I've never really seen Val as a centre. I think he might have played an Origin game there, but that's what you do in Origin. You you just pick a team of stars and put them somewhere. A bit like Tom playing centres for New South Wales. Hermes, I think I think they'll give Hermeso a crack at fullback. I think he showed a little bit at the back end of the season, and, and they did get a bit of spark out of that. I think they're going to have to learn how to use Holmes because I feel like he's a little bit wasted in that center slot. I know they say he's going to roam around a bit like Tom Trubojevic does, but Tom's doing it from fullback. It's a lot harder to game manage if you're moving out of position as a center in an attacking route. Like if if they throw an intercept or something or there's a turnover. Your defense is shot. Yeah, unless they know how to slide and can do it, with precision, like I'd back a roosters type side with Manu to do this. And I think they might even do it this year. I think you might see Manu yeah. come out of the line and play a little bit of floating five eighth. but I know that Trent Robinson will have a, a system in place and they will nail it. They will slide, you know, Tupanua or whomever will move out into mm-hmm. the center to allow the extra floating game. I just don't have the confidence that that Cowboys side with so many players playing potentially out of position are going to be able to make that work. And that worries me with Val.
0: I mean, they ranked 16th last year in defense, so I don't think defensive uh, intelligence is Todd Payton's strong suit. So he could be playing with fire if he wants to experiment with this, but it could work out uh, fantastically if they, can, if they could they it. It could.
1: Like Val's more than – Val's got the skill factor to do
0: it. Oh, yeah. I'm not worried about Valentine Hones here. I'm worried about the players around him and, and the forward pack, especially yeah. the young back rows that you and I have both picked. So. he Hiku's not – Hiku's
1: not a fantastic defender either. So having, you know, a bad center, well, not a bad center, a poor defensive center in my opinion, and then another one that might be floating, you're asking for trouble.
0: The halves, one of them picks themselves in Chad Townsend. You're not moving up to Queensland from the beautiful beaches of Cronulla to, I don't know, sit with Todd Payton in the coaching box. The other one is interesting because we touched on that they brought in Tom Dearden last year. They had Drinkwater, who was floating between fullback and six. What do they do there? I've I've gone Drinkwater. I think it makes the most logical sense. I think Dean and Chad Townsend together would be an absolute eyesore for everyone to watch. Not not including the, not even Cowboys fans. I think everyone would hate to see that. It'd be so stagnant and so weird. So that's why I've gone Drink because you just you need some kind of flair here. Chad Townsend isn't going to provide that. He'd be a great game manager, a great kicking game, great guy to lead you around the park but I don't think he compliments Deirdre well. And that's why I think you've got to have drink there. I do agree. Uh,
1: I wouldn't rule out Townsend playing six and maybe Deirdre playing seven at some point. I do think if you're coming last, it's inevitable that at some point in time people are going to get dropped. So I wouldn't rule it out down the line. I I think you are correct in terms of a traditional six, seven, type setup you normally do have a game manager and you have someone that kind of plays off the back of that with a little bit of flair Walker and Kiri will do that this season Cleary and Luai have mastered that most sides have that kind of setup Reynolds and Walker's another example all successful clubs Drinkwater I had so much hope for Drinkwater as a footballer and he's just really not become what I thought he was going to when he was at Melbourne I just thought oh, who's going to sign this kid? This kid's so talented. I just haven't really seen it. I don't know if it's a system based thing because he's gone from such a good system where the likes of your Kronks and your Slaters, et cetera, or Cameron Smith would put him in excellent position to play off the back of, and he just doesn't have that since he's left. I'd like to see him succeed because I think he is talented. I, just, I really worry for him, and he's in a real career, that he's just – pretty much going to end up an English Super League player and, you know, go win the Men of Steel, which is, you know, like winning a Golden Globe, like, it just doesn't mean anything. So, I'm a bit worried for North Queensland, a bit worried for Drinkwater.
0: You touch on, you touch on Drinky and his ability. I think when Billy Slater moved on, Cameron Munster was promoted to six, and the talk was Hughes, Pappenhausen, or Drinkwater as the long-term one, and everyone wanted Drinkwater as the long-term fullback over Hughes and over Pappenhausen. So it just shows you the the high regard that they had him in at Melbourne. And I think he suffered an injury in 2019, moved to the Cowboys in 2020. I could be wrong, my timeline could be off here, but I know he had an injury. And then it just sort of not went downhill, but he's definitely sort of plateaued a little bit. So I'd love to see Drinky play some good footy. I'd love to see him uh, finally find it. And then who knows, with with a really good quality seven next to him in Chad Townsend, because I think people do shit on Chad Townsend a little bit too much. He, he is still a very decent footballer, and I think he'll be good for this Cowboys side if they can find the, the combinations to link up well. Mate, I wanted to put a hypothetical to you. Let's say after, like, round 18, the Cowboys have had, like, two wins. Well, what are the chances that Peyton just says to Valentine, all right, mate, you go play six for a little bit?
1: This side, honestly... <laughs> it, 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 it would not surprise me. I, I would like to interject and say something. If Tom Figjam doesn't jump on Twitter and absolutely slam me for the the Chad slander, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed because he's the mayor of Chad Town. I don't mind Chad. Chad, Chad Chad's a – he's a premiership winner and he, I really liked him when he played for Cronulla. I just – I don't know if I see him as the leading hand in a side though.
0: He has to be. There's no one like, else in this Cowboys I side.
1: comparing to Blake Green. Like if, if you threw Blake Green in a side and said, okay – you're the leading man. Let's say at Manly, it was, he was the leading man and say foreign or someone was beside him. You wouldn't have confidence in that the same way that you did when Terry Evans was next to him. He's a supporting cast. He's not a lead actor. And I think that's going to get found out this year. And I think there's about 800,000 reasons why North Queensland are going to be absolutely unropeable at the end of this season.
0: I mean, who knows? This could be like not make or break because Chad Townsend. If he retires tomorrow, I'm sure he'd be is a, a premiership winner. He'd be very happy with his, with his career. Um, he's a Cronulla immortal. I uh, may he built t- the man a statue. T- turn turn the porch light on. Um, in all seriousness, this could be it for Chad Townsend. He could be like, all right, well, this is basically my side. Like I am, I am the eight hundred thousand dollar man or whatever he's been price tagged on, so who knows what's gonna happen with Tad with Chad and look I, I like him. I actually do like Chad Townsend I, I rate him much more than a lot good of people. Good bloke. Very well, good yeah, bloke. Yeah. Good bloke good for the community. Um, leads a lot of insight into the general NRL fan to to get them to see what happens behind the scenes. But I do like to see Chad Townsend succeed and as much as I have shit on the Cowboys in the first seventeen minutes of this podcast I do want to see them do well because it's funny to see the Broncos not be the best Queensland side, so that's always funny. Uh, but I do think it's an uphill battle for the Cowboys, but they do have some very good juniors, oh, juniors, some good youngsters in the forward pack. And I don't know how much this is going to piss some people off that have stocks in Ruben Cotter, but my front row does not include Jason Tamalolo, which I think a lot of people are hoping it does. My front row forwards are Cohen Hess and Jordan McLean.
1: I don't hate it. I don't, I haven't gone that way. I do have Tamalolo at prop and I've got Jordan McLean, obviously beside him, but I prefer from a Cowboys perspective, I prefer your way. Tamalolo should be the lock. 100% should be the lock. You're paying the man millions of dollars for 10, 10 years or whatever. What's he on? 11 mil over 10 years or something.
0: Yeah. I think there's. we're
1: talking $1.1 million a year. It's big bucks. And, I feel like you're kind of wasting him at prop, just being a battering ram. He's he's a talented player. He's got good footwork. He's when he gets older. Okay, I understand if you shift the man to prop and you reduce that workload, but not now. Not when you're trying to rebuild the club. He needs to be the figurehead of that forward pack, and they're
0: making a mockery of of the the ten year contract. It's ridiculous. Don't take this the wrong way, people, but I feel like there's this narrative put out there that, like, he has to play 10 because he's not a ball-playing 13, but he does other things 13s can't do. He is such a damaging 13, and I'm not talking just your meat and potatoes hit-ups. Like, he he was making 300 metres a game just in, like, just in him being Jason Tamalolo from, like, 2017, 2018. He is in my opinion, the the greatest forward that we have seen in this modern generation of of the NRL. And that includes guys like Sam Burgess. And at me in that if you want to. I don't I don't really care. Jason Tamalolo is is a superstar. And yeah, I mean, you've paid the man a fortune. So you put him in at thirteen. I'd love to see Cotter play thirteen. I feel like Cotter is the better thirteen, but Tamalolo is the better footballer. And Tamalolo's basically come out and said, I'm not playing prop. He did this two years ago. He's like, no, I'm not playing prop. That ain't it, Chief. I'm playing 13. And I don't know. I just feel like Todd Payton's tried to like, I don't know, make it not about him because he's the head coach and I understand that. But do you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like he's he's tried to put his stamp on things. It didn't work last year. Just go back to playing Todd, uh, Jason Tamalolo the way that he plays best. And that is at 13. That is being damaging. That is 64, 65 minutes a game where he gets as many hit ups as he wants. You can cover for him in defense because what he does in attack is so, so lethal.
1: I might say a couple of controversial things here. One. Oh, here we go. The, the, the Tamalolo isn't a ball player comment. In my opinion, Tamalolo is as good a ball playing lock as. Jake Chaboyevich is okay. And sorry, sorry. Their pants over Jake Chaboyevich.
0: I'll, I'll quickly caveat. I think people want, people want this modern thirteen to be your Victor Radley, your Cameron. So Murray, they want him to be Victor Isaiah Radley, but,
1: okay. So Victor Radley generally plays off the back of the hooker. So the most of the times that he makes a line break, it's actually off the back of the hooker. Yes, he does create his own line break sometimes, but so does Talmololo. The only difference between the two is that Radley's a lot quicker. Then Tamalolo is, but Tamalolo is also a battering ram. You know, he could run over a fullback. So I don't like this whole, you have to be a ball playing fullback, uh, sorry, a ball playing lock in the modern game because you don't have to be. I actually think Manly has hurt their team to some degree by turning Jake into this guy that plays like James Graham did a few years where he just catches the ball and passes most of the time. He doesn't I think, I think it's, do it.
0: I think it's different when you've got so many assets outside of him. So the the benefit of this ball playing 13 is you can have your six and seven sit wider. So I think Penrith is the perfect example for this. You look at how much room Isaiah Yo gives Jerome Lua and gives Nathan Cleary because he has that ability to stand under the goalposts and just fire 15 metre balls to Cleary who can sit wider. And the thing is with Manly, you've obviously got DCE who is the Australian se- or is, was the Australian 7 when they n- now have a World Cup, it'll be Cleary, but DCE was Australia's 7, he's Queensland 7, and you've got Turbo. So you want to just give them as much space as possible. And my counter-argument for that and not having Tambalolo is, like, Chad Townsend's good enough, a good enough game manager to be able to make things. And you've got Hamiso, who's quick. You've got Val, who's going to, he's going to roam. I don't think you need to create the space. Um, so I think you can have... Yeah. Like, if you're going to have Val Rome, that's another ball player that you can put in the side. So you can probably have Drink and Chad sitting a little bit closer to the ruck and give more room for your speedsters. And that's the reason why I've gone Tamalolo at 13, because you don't need you don't need an Isaiah Yo type figure to give your 6 and 7 more room. And that's the reason why I've gone Lolo over... Um, And that's the reason why I feel sometimes this modern 13 narrative can be a little bit bent as what you were saying, because I feel like it's very team dependent and it's very dependent Mm. on what you need because someone like Cleary thrives off three on threes. Like he is very good at at just having a three on three scenario and picking that apart, whereas other guys might want some more space. And I feel like Chad Townsend's a guy that might need a little bit more space um, having a five on five scenario sitting maybe two or three defenders closer inwards to the ruck. Yeah, this, look, is, this is too much footy analysis. It really frustrates me. This yeah. is too much footy I, I analysis for this podcast. We're just here to talk numbers, but we're now getting into the nitty-gritty of actual like somewhat That's right. somewhat NRL. i have been to play Supercoach
1: as an NRL fan too. So I don't mind talking about that. I will say this. I actually like Tamilala this year for Supercoach, and he is well and truly on my radar. He's not currently in my side. I do want to see some trials and see how the formations go. I'm a little bit worried about Reuben Cotter. I'm not picking Ruben Cotter. You can't no. pay me to. Pick Ruben Cotter. I don't have any faith in that guy whatsoever. I will say that he's not he's not in my plans. 21 games, I've looked, I've, 20,
0: 21 games in 3 years, bro. 21 games. Bradman best who is injury prone. We touched on him in the previous podcast about how he's played 26 games in 2 years. Cotter's played 21 in 3. He's never played more than 6 games back to back. Like if I'm pl- if
1: I'm playing coach here, first of all going back to the ball playing comment. I think based on what you said and on top of that two very young back rowers that are quite skillful. You don't need a ball playing back rower. That said, I still think Tamalolo's ball playing ability is fine. I think Potter's better off on the bench. Yes. You know, let Tamalolo run his wrecking ball. Let him, let him go for 35 minutes to start it. Bring a guy like Cotter on who's, who's very creative and, and deceptively strong. Let him run right in the last five minutes and let him run right again to start the second half and then bring your your stud back on to finish the game when you need a leader and you need someone who's solid and knows how to game manage from a forward's perspective. That's what I would do. I would still be picking the 14, who I guess we'll get to soon, but I would play him as kind of like the way you have a Watson or someone on the bench that's big enough and strong enough to play as a forward or a back. But I've ha- had that and still carry the 14. That's probably what I would do if I'm the Cowboys. But they're going to need a muscle-up with the other two positions on the bench. All
0: right. So we've just had a 10-minute tangent on the Modern 13. I don't think you mentioned your front rowers. You just told me that tamola was one of them. So who's your other front row? Jordan McLean. So McLean. he speaks for himself. He's, yeah. He will be one of the front rowers. Your nine is Reese Robson?
1: Absolutely. And That's- I want Reese Robson paying at least 70 minutes if I'm the Cowboys.
0: As do I, but the presence of a curly-haired winner Manly fullback and a broken ribbon Cotter do worry me. That's always been the problem with Reese Robson. He's always had a fantastic PPM. He's always had fantastic scores when he plays the minutes. But it just seems like he never gets the minutes, which is the big concern from Supercoach. Um, let's touch on Cohen Hess, who is, um, I guess, the starter in my side because Jordan McLean doesn't play big enough minutes to be warrant, warrant for Supercoach, but he will be the starter for the Cowboys, which I've got no arguments there. Cohen Hess, if he gets the start and they put Tamalolo at thirteen, he's been strictly training in the middle. Are we going to get sucked into a Cohen Hess trap, or is there some kind of value there with him?
1: How much does he cost? I'm
0: about to pull it up. It shows, that shows, it shows you that that shows how that that much I know about Cohen
1: Hess. Shows you that Look, not Cohen at Hess him. is. An absolute shadow of his former self. I remember I had Cohen Hess a few years ago. and I was going to cap 350, it. and he is. And he nailed he's, it that game. He scored a hat trick or something. I was so dirty. It was that season. I remember that entire season. And I kept making these bold calls, going, oh, I should captain this bloke. I didn't do it. And then that person would kill it. And I remember distinctively, Cohen Hess was one of those people. And a lot of people jumped on at that time. He was a weapon. He just seems to be lazy now. And he comes on and he doesn't really have the same type of impact, kind of like they've. Found him out and know how to defend him, or I don't know what it is, but he just feels like a shout like a shell of the man that he once was. So for me, until he proves himself again in a high level NRL, I'm not picking him to start personally. He's
0: 350 and jewel. So
1: look, if he, yeah, if he starts eight and he's 350, no worries, I'll take a punt on that. That's fine. That will, I could. You know, I could make a front row work with that. Like, that, he's 60, 70K cheaper than Saifidi is. Just could, could do it. Just with the bench. But I just, just don't expect the,
0: it. With the bench that I've picked, I don't see many minutes. That's the only issue that I've got with him. So, um, Hess, Robson, McLean, for me, Brew's got Lolo, uh, Robson, McLean. But I'm trying to talk Brew onto the idea of putting Lolo back to 13 as for I the, want him at 13. Yeah. As for the back rowers, I am pretty confident we have the same in your boy Harlan Lukey and now Bolter, thanks to some media day photos, which sees Jerry Nanai wear the 12. Take with that what you will, but they are my back rowers and I'm pretty sure they're also brews.
1: They are. Uh, Nanai was always getting the 12. That was my mail in December. And then I, I did see the jersey thing, but it didn't shock me. I thought it was common news that you know, he was getting that spot. I've had him in and out of my side because he's much cheaper than Luke is. He's about 30K cheaper, I think, than Luke is. And Nanai is a very hard-working back rower. He would probably be a really good guy to pick. So whilst I hate the Cowboys, there is actually probably three or four guys that are in my radar of, of being selected.
0: Jeremy Nanai – I haven't looked too hard into him. From memory, his PPM isn't fantastic, so he'd probably have to be playing close to 80 for, for me to like him, and that's where the trials are going to be relevant. Um, the annoying thing is the first week... Like, we get trials back, which is fantastic, but the first batch of trials is just going to be a lot of your junior guys and your developmental guys, so probably wait for the second batch of trials. But yeah, Jeremy Danai is definitely someone to look at. Uh, I think he's like 330K or something like that, so... He starts and plays seventy plus minutes. He will most likely be in my side, and then the
1: games he played last season, he averaged seventy four minutes, which was much higher than Lukey, and he's got about a forty seven base plus power.
0: Okay, so there's definitely some value. There's at least ten points of value, and then we're, we're we're looking for that 55, 60 point upside, which would be which would be fantastic. The Cowboys don't have an awful draw to start, similar to we were talking about someone like Bradman best in the nights podcast. The draw didn't warrant a punt, but the Roosters. Oh, so that's that's the night. I go back to the Cowboys. So the Cowboys draw is the Bulldogs, Raiders, Broncos, Roosters, Warriors. Probably one tough matchup, one mediocre matchup in the Raiders. The Raiders defend pretty well when it comes to supercoach points, but the Bulldogs could leak a lot. The Broncos and the Warriors. The Warriors defensively have never been fantastic. So yeah, this I don't there's, mind that draw. There, to there, be honest with you, like that there's wouldn't mirror. turn me off. He's probably, me off one of their halves, but not a forward. He's probably not someone that you'd start either. I mean you might so you, you might start in round one because you've got Harry Grant on the bench, for example, and when Harry Grant's back, then nenai would be the one that drops out. Um so that's that's perfectly fine. So definitely watch um, Jamie Nenai. He is definitely someone to to consider for your sides. I've got Jason Tamlolo at thirteen. I don't know with Lolo. I've because there's no stats. Like we've got no stats on Lolo. It's all, it's a gut feel call, isn't it? Like, obviously we know what he's going to do if he get back to his best, but is he going to get back to his best? That's the question. What's, what stats do you want on Lolo? No, but like, you, you know what I mean? Like, we've got no, like, it's literally just a bounce back, like, fact. That's what we're trying to, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, there, 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 there's nothing we can put in to say that this is what he's going to average this year because there's no, like, he had a, such a huge drop off. Is that an, I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've, my brain, my brain, my brain is scrambling when I'm trying to think of Lolo because it's, he's been in, he's been out. I've currently got Jack Bird in my side, but Lolo's cheaper. I mean, I know who has more upside out of those two. And like, it's just, it's so tough for me to to put a my finger on Lolo and his stocks this year.
1: I can argue prop or lock when it comes to Tamalolo. Lolo, basically. If he's at prop, he's got a much higher work rate and uh, his base increases. So he doesn't need the same amount of minutes because he works his ass off. If he's locked, then you're looking at 55 to 60 minutes, in which case he's normally a one PPM type player with attacking upside. And therefore he's at 485 and can average 60 plus. So for me, he's very much an option. And I think if people are wanting Cleary or Turbo, you're going to have to sacrifice in certain areas. And guys like Tamalolo and even Nanai, might become necessity. So if you look at guys that do have the upside but still have a fairly decent floor, there is an avenue.
0: What I probably would do when it comes to Lolo is I would pick him, but I would pick him with 100K in the bank because for the first two rounds, if it goes tits up, you move him onto Curran, you move him onto Mado, or whatever, or you pick Lolo and don't pick Nadi. And that way, if it goes tits up, you can go down to Nani. That's the thing. Like, I'm warming to the idea of Tamalolo, but I'm not confident on it. I'm warming, but but I'm not there yet. So for me, I, I personally,
1: I'm not going to carry lots of money in the bank. Personally, I'm going to use every dollar that I can. But with a Lolo, that is my plan basically. A Nani, a Luki, Koby Hetherington, whoever it is, these guys that are in that mid-range kind of pocket whichever one's going to make the most money. If, if Lola were to start the season and suck ass, well, I'll just downgrade and take some extra cash and then I'll use that cash elsewhere. You know, I'll upgrade one of these centers that gets off to a flyer and into a keeper or, you know, what's his name? Uh, Hastings. Like if you're carrying Hastings at 350, if you, if you cash it out and making say 125, 150 K or whatever through downgrading, that, that's a 500k forward, uh, sorry, halfback or 5.8 that suddenly you can pick up.
0: I will, just make, I will just make a quick point. I do not care what your vaccination status is. Everyone out there, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. I really do not care. My point is, I want to know what Lolo's is because he had this interview this week and he didn't disclose it, which makes me nervous because I don't want to pick him. He travels somewhere, doesn't have an exemption, and he's not named. That is the biggest thing that I'm worried about, because I don't want to be playing roulette with the the guys in the NRL that that aren't vaccinated. It's just not something that I'm I'm keen on.
1: I think we'll know. I think by TLT we'll know. So
0: if we don't just, if we don't know, does your does your opinion on Lolo flip? Sorry, your super coach opinion, not your actual personal opinion.
1: Yeah, like he's the same price as Paul Momorowski, for example. So I'll use a dual and I'll flip it. So. There's options.
0: There's always options. You're you're warming me onto him, but there is a few unknowns I, I would like to know. Um, so we've we've touched on basically our starting thirteen. Let's run through our bench. For me, no Ruben Cotter in my starting thirteen, but he's too good to leave out of the squad. He is the epitome of number fourteen in this North Queensland Cowboys side for me. He is my number fourteen. I've also included the new boy from the New Zealand Warriors, Jermaine Noor Brown, as my fifteen. I've also included steady hands like Tom Gilbert and Mitch Dunn as my 16th and 17th to round out the squad. I do like that bench.
1: I, I've i gone a different route. Obviously, I've got Cotter in my 13, which means that Cohen Hess is on my bench. I've got Jake Granville in a 14, and I hate typing that name because <laughs> I just think he's so overrated. Dual position. Uh, I,
0: what is he, dual position hooker fullback uh, this year? Yep, what going fullback. What a, what, a what a weird dual position. That's that's one of the most obscure. That's nearly as good as Dane Laurie's uh, from two years ago when he was front row forward, centre wing. <laughs>
1: uh, that would have been all right, fullback in the front row forward. I've also got Janine, uh, Jermaine to Noel Brown. I'm actually expecting big things and a real bounce back season from him. Uh, I'm quite keen on him. I think he's going to have a good season.
0: Yeah, I nev- don't think he's never really weapon or anything. Never really found his feet at the Warriors, did he? He's just sort of plodded along and never really sort of nailed down a spot. It looked good in his rookie so many, season.
1: So many big bodies, but there, and there's so much competition um, for those forwards. And I feel like this will be, you know, a new lease, for, lease on life for him, and, and that he'll probably do really well. Uh, finally, I've got Mitch Dunn um, as my seventeen. I, Tom Gilbert was my 18, but so we've got the same 18 players in different order, basically again. So
0: yeah, let's see I, I would are on
1: if, TLT. We seem to have very similar sides most weeks. I don't do, do an 18th here and there.
0: I don't do an 18th man, but if I did, I'd probably put Granville there. Um, I just feel like if you're running Cotter off the bench and you don't need Granville, but if you are going to start, if you're going to start uh, Cotter, then you probably do run Granville. So I think it's a case of of whatever Peyton There's decides to go, yeah.
1: <laughs> there's an argument to just, you know, put Cotter on the bench, isn't there? There if is. Carrying, you can carry an extra forward, then that's much better for them, in my opinion.
0: That is going to round out the Cowboys. Uh, we're back next week. I think we have a few more exciting teams to touch on. I think we have the Eels and the Panthers, and then we have someone else as well. So getting closer to the to the pointy end of these team reviews, and then we've got a few more plans up our sleeve for just before... Um, everything happens. Mate, do you want to announce the, I guess, the big news when it comes to the podcast and team lists, not team list, Jesus, my, I don't know if anyone heard that, but that was some, some big thunder. Um, Do you want to announce? I did hear that. I thought you bumped the mic. Yeah, no, that <laughs> was, that was the, uh, that was the thunder. So it's, it's buckling down. Wow. Um, Do you want to announce the, the news surrounding the podcast and what we're doing regular season, mate? What news is that? Oh, this is a great segue. Okay, so basically, we're doing this podcast live. Um, so during the season, it'll be Tuesdays and Sundays at seven thirty. I think we haven't confirmed the time, but it'll be seven thirty. The first eight rounds are really awkward because the Sunday game, the Sunday <laughs> game either fluctuates from like a six o'clock kickoff or there's a couple of Monday kickoffs. But basically, we'll, we'll be we'll be live about half an hour after the final game ends. Um, during during yeah, the first the first. Couple of weeks, and then moving forward, it'll be seven thirty Sundays and Tuesdays. We will be doing this live. Um, we will get you guys involved. We'll have all the questions pop up on screen. I'll try to program that, and it'll be more interactive with you guys. Um, and yeah, really, really excited for that. Some good segments coming up, and it's going to include everything from like yeah, captains, buy holds and sells. Brew and I's sort of uh, bowl predictions for the week, um, breakdowns of the games just gone. Bru and I are still trying to iron out the final touches. But, yeah, we're going to take this podcast live, which is exciting. But for now, it'll it'll be pre-recorded. And, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm very keen to, to to have it live, mate.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for the Tuesday. The Tuesday's madness. It's like...
0: The preview, yes.
1: So exciting, you know, at 4 o'clock. You're hitting refresh, refresh, refresh and looking and, oh, where's my cheapie? You know, is this guy named? And to be able to jump on here shortly after that and and talk about it pretty much, you know, just afterwards i suppose it depends what time we end up doing the pod on the tuesday i'm looking forward to that you'll get a lot of real raw emotion i think um it's going to be good uh you and i hopefully can start banging out a few more teams pods so that we can maybe do a cows pod i've been asked a lot about that not not the cows we just spoke about as in cash cows uh i know people are interested in trials and stuff like that so we've got a bit to work on Um, yeah i've been really happy with the feedback too, I've, I've had a lot of inboxes and a lot of new ads and whatnot and people have been really complimentary uh, of my addition to the show and just the show in general and that's been really good and I really appreciate that.
0: Um, for you guys listening on Spotify and Apple, it will also, the podcast come the regular season, will also still be there. Um, so the reason why we're doing it on Tuesday, so to give people that don't catch it live as much chance as possible to listen basically all the way through Wednesday all the way through Thursday as well so uh, if you don't manage to catch the live stream um, Sundays and Tuesdays don't stress uh, the podcast will be available as well so um, I'm potentially experimenting with the idea of cutting it down as well and just having the sort of individual segments as maybe five ten minute audio clips if people just want to listen to those for example if people don't want to sit through the entire podcast and they just want to hear the buy holes and sells then um we might do that as well so playing with that just trying to see how much time I've got now I'm back at work which is cool but it's always good when you've taken two and a half years off work and uh you come back and then a week later you say hey I'm taking a week off with COVID so I was not popular I was not popular uh from from the boss man after after having two and a half yeah. years off and then, and then taking another week off
1: These are the times, unfortunately.
0: Yes. Anyway, uh, enough ramble from us. One little announcement. I was just trying to fill some time there. But Cowboys is done. Thank God. Knights is done from uh, a couple of days ago. Also, thank God. We're moving on to some more exciting sides next week. I've been your host, CSC Whisperer. I've been joined by Bruce C as always. You've been listening to us on the Dual Position Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things NRL Supercoach. Um, How do I end this thing? Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.